We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Moons podcast. This episode two 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 of the pod. Very very Rick Ross in nature. She's seen them twenty twos. We in room two twenty two. We're Rick That's Ross pod. You only get to do it once. Big Rick Ross pod. We're a Bears pod. We're a golf pod. We're Rick Ross pod. People forget that. Uh, We checked the Rick Ross box already. We will talk Bears. We will talk Ryder Cup because don't forget it. We are a golf pod. Uh But first and foremost, Matt Rooney, how the hell are we? I, I know we're we're saving for the end, Joe, but I'm. I, you're, we're talking Ryder Cup. I'm excited. I'm, I'm boots I mean, on the ground on Friday. I'm, I was going to say the man's up. got the man's got a ticket. The man's got a ticket to go witness some history. I'm, I'm already jacked up. Do you have any? Um, like I want to get right into it, but we got to go Bears first. We, can, we do. Let's just let's just tease a little Ryder Cup here, Matt. Have you prepared any uh, like choreographed chance to get the USA where they need to be? I haven't. I think that's for the car ride up there on Thursday okay. night. We're, so we're staying. We're staying about an hour fifteen outside of Whistling Straits on Thursday night, okay. so we can get a get a head start around. Right, probably out of the house around five a.m. on Friday Love morning. That. But you know, Thursday is going to be a uh, let, let's let's prepare some chants, let's prepare some dances, maybe a TikTok or two here and there to get the team going. Maybe Love it goes it. viral and they see it in the locker room. You know, in between <laughs> rounds, I don't know. I don't it brings know. Brings everybody together. All I know is um, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to do everything I can in my power. One last here, a little tease here. This is uh, almost more in the Moose and Runes vein of a mailbag question, but I'm sending yep. the question. Uh, and we can even make it a buy or sell here. Bonus buy or sell right off the top. Ryder Cup edition, Matt. Okay. Buy or sell wearing golf spikes to the golf event. I'm going to sell that. Um, unless my, the only caveat is if you're going on like a very rainy day where, you know, it's, it's, if you're on like a rainy hilly course and it does get a little bit, a little bit slippery, I can, I can see that. But no, I don't. Don't I, I know, wear some gym shoes. Plus, you want to be comfortable. I, I know you're. I know you're very much. Uh, you're very much. How do I put this? You're very much uh, of the hospitality tent group. That's going to be. We out do of have there. a hospitality like, tent. Yes. Like you're, there's not going to be much traversing of Pete Dye's uh, flora and fauna there out at Whistling Straits. But if there's a place to wear the spikes, Matt, it's. You're climbing some hills. Uh, my fair. favorite place. My favorite place on the course. It's a beautiful little. I don't know how they're setting it up, but there's a beautiful little hill. It's actually one of the forward tee boxes that they're not going to be using. It's one of the forward tee boxes on 18, perched up super high, looking down at 17 green, turned around towards 18 tee. It's the perfect spot on the course. But you're climbing a hill to get there. Uh, That's fair. So I am. I am very pro golf spike. A soft spike, obviously. There, there's no actual spikes, but a nice puma soft spike out on the course i think uh it brings a little air of hey if you need me to hit a pitching wedge here i got you strix okay you know, that's, that's fair. you gotta you gotta send that well yeah, i guess you also got you, that's that's it you gotta be prepared it's like bringing a baseball to a baseball game you, you just gotta be prepared yeah case, and I'm, right? see i'm not i'm not I'm, <laughs> that was, i think you can grow you can grow you have to grow out of the baseball game. Was, so that, a, that was a little personal, bit of a joke there I, I take a personal affront to that so uh, with that let's pivot back to where we were going bears football one and one the justin fields era maybe is underway maybe isn't underway the team's still non-committal to their 
future, um, if you want to put it that way. But yeah, Andy shocker. Dalton suffers the knee injury in the first half, non-contact, uh, no structural damage, but there is a bone bruise there. There's no way in hell he's playing this weekend. It's going to be Fields this weekend. And then if you bring Dalton back in against the Lions in week four, like what what are we doing here? But I don't want to talk about that right now. I want to talk about the performance against Cincinnati. Fields does a lot of really good things. Throws a pick there uh, late in the game that opened the door that I know no one really feels great about. It's like they kind of threw a looked like they threw kind of a nuanced look there at him. They dropped like an end or a guy uh, outside backer that was lined up as an end and dropped them. And Fields never really read it. But I was so enthused by some of the balls that he threw. They weren't all caught. Um, couple crossing routes by Darnell Mooney on the money needed to be caught were not. Deep ball to Allen Robinson couldn't have been thrown any better. Needed to be caught. Well- was not. The Bears do come away with the win and most importantly the defense shows up with an intensity that I hope they can bring on the road with them somewhere. I, I, maybe it was being back in the building. Maybe it was Fields being under center offering mm-hmm. that little bit of confidence and that bump to move forward and say hey our guys out here let's go support them. Whatever it was it needs to duplicate. It needs to replicate because three takeaways on three Joe Burrow passes was the deciding factor in that game. Matt. I mean yeah they were also like they, I think they got a little bit of a bump when Fields came in, but they were playing their ass off too before with when Andy was in there and was moving the ball. And I, I think, I think what we saw from Justin Fields was a guy that is ready, but is might maybe a little bit more raw than we thought. Not that's not the right way to put. It. I think he just needs a little bit more game experience, like most of these rookies do, because yeah, it, as, as like, much how as he's played against Alabama, you get you how do you get game experience? experience? I Not also in a think simulator. I, I saw this tweet from uh, from Tom Waddle, who I think is if, if you follow the Bears and like the Bears, he's about as good of a follow or a listen to mm-hmm. actually you know for, for NFL Bears breakdowns. And what he was kind of saying during the game, and I, I started to watch for it more and agree with him, is once Dalton went out, it's very clear. Nagy didn't change up the game plan. He kept the same game plan for you know, Justin Fields was running Andy Dalton's game plan, which I don't think did the kid many favors. I think it's mm-hmm. and it, we've been saying we said this for three straight years with Mitch is you know what he does best to get him comfortable, roll him out, get him moving, and then kind of you know grow the offense, get him dropping back. Yeah, a little don't more. try and fit a square peg yeah, into a round hole. With Justin Fields, he he is a very good pocket passer, but he also throws the ball well on the run. Get him out, get him moving, get him a little bit comfortable, and then fall back into that more pro style offense that he is used to, but not necessarily maybe totally comfortable, totally ready to do from the jump in an NFL game where he hasn't really seen live game action yet. But I thought. The numbers aren't great, obviously. The interception wasn't great. Should have had a touchdown to Allen Robinson. He did miss that touchdown uh, late in the game. He tried to hit Mooney in the corner, which was a very good throw. It was just a little bit out of bounds. He had Jimmy Graham on an underneath throw wide open for six. That's going to happen. Um, But I thought all in all, could he have been better? Absolutely. But did he look the part? Absolutely as well. So just from the standpoint of you being the decision maker right now, Matt, and having a quarterback that you were going to go with for X amount of time to allow your guy to get more reps or allow your guy to get more practice time or get more mental reps, you're making the decision right now. Andy Dalton comes up and he can't go this weekend. Obviously, you're going with Justin Fields. If they would have elevated Nick Foles to the active roster and put him in over Fields, the city would have burned. Oh, yeah. Um, so let's just say it's assumed Fields plays this weekend, but Dalton, he's back, he's healthy. Fields has a good game, another game that shows you a lot of what we saw this past week. There was a couple touchdown passes, 
has an interception. The Bears beat the Browns by two points. Justin Fields is your starter moving forward, if right? Just, if Justin Fields beats the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland, they're – and he doesn't start, that should be a fireable offense on the spot for whoever. I don't know. Now at this point, I don't know if it's Matt Nagy making the decision because I don't know if you saw or heard the press conference. He was like not saying anything. And then the PR department came out and said, we, Matt Nagy would like to confirm that Andy Dalton's the starter when healthy. So I, I don't know what's going on or who's making that call. But whoever, if Justin Fields goes out and beats Cleveland on the road and is not the starter the rest of the way, barring, you know, health, um, it, someone needs to be fired ASAP because if he right. goes out and does that, no chance he shouldn't be starting. Completely agree with you. And let's alter that hypothetical and say the Bears lose by four points. Mm-hmm. Justin Fields has a good game, shows that he's taking steps in the right direction, but the Bears just get outplayed. Nick Chubb runs all over this defense. Is Justin Fields. Is there a scenario where you put Andy Dalton back in, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. The only scenario would be if Justin Fields goes out there and looks totally overmatched, which I just don't see happening. I I don't see why at this point. Uh, Yeah, is it, excuse me, is it earlier than the Bears wanted to? Yeah, but uh, it's still too late, quite honestly, given with who you have. I, I feel bad also by... It's, I'm not trying to rip on Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is the best quarterback the Bears have had in the building since, since number six. Like he's a solid NFL quarterback. He is. He, he's capable of being a starter in the NFL. He's probably capable of getting a really good defense with a bunch of weapons to a playoffs. But he doesn't have the star potential. He's not going to be. He's not what Justin Fields is going to be. And with where the Bears are, they're they're not this team that's ready that's just you know just needs this game manager quarterback to be a Super Bowl contender they're a team that needs to take the next step for their you know for their franchise that's not ready to win right now there's he, Andy Dalton doesn't fit with this group and maybe maybe what they're thinking is is that if they go do go back to Andy Dalton and he gets two or three more good weeks in him you can find a desperate team with an, with a quarterback injury at the trade deadline that wants to give you a second round pick or a conditional something if he looks good. But other than that, I, I don't see what the what the long term health of the franchise accomplishes or how that improves by starting Andy Dalton over Justin Fields. It just it it it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, and see, the only thing like we're almost like. We're almost tied to a false logic here because so many decisions that have been made by this regime don't make sense and mm-hmm. they don't fall in line with common sense and with logic. So uh, I I guess I, I leave myself open to just some really funky outcomes, you know, some really funky decisions, some really head-scratching stuff because we've seen it before. We will likely see it again. I, I don't think that like overnight that these guys are going to change – you know, their philosophies. These guys are going to all of a sudden start making all the sense in the world. Like, I don't know. Like, the more I look at it, and yeah, Matt Nagy's play calling stinks. Um, Matt Nagy as a head coach might stink. His postgame speech after they won stunk. Uh-huh. Like, I, 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 but I'm not sure that he's the root of the problem. The more I look at it, Ryan Pace is the real problem. You can, there is such a track record of poor decisions made from a personnel standpoint, from a contract standpoint, from a decision-making standpoint, from a hiring standpoint. 
that's that's the problem right now. And like, I, I don't want to go bad on the Bears today because we're coming off a win. But like, if you're looking at Ryan Pace and signing a tackle, or excuse me, drafting over drafting a tackle with back problems, um, and you're looking at. Uh, having $16 million worth of quarterback money on the bench. And you're looking at, as we've said before, signing the aging tight end instead of the all pro corner. Uh And you're looking at some, all all of this decision-making that just does not add up. Like either, either you don't get it, either you really don't understand how to evaluate talent or you think that you know more than everybody else and you've time after time proved to be wrong. Either way, it's a problem and you can't be the one making the decisions for a franchise. And yeah, it's all of this, oh, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are two of the nicest guys and you'd want them to be your neighbor and you'd want them to date, like you'd want your daughter to date their sons. And they, like, mm-hmm. I want this guy to put together a winning team. I hope he's an asshole. I hope he's a I hope he's a ruthless piece of garbage in the negotiating room trying to get one over on every uh-huh. team in the NFL. I hope that for the guy leading my team. I just think that despite the talent on the field, despite the air in the building, despite all of the things that usually dictate wins and losses, we are so behind the eight ball having these people being the people setting us up for success or failure. And I, I, that's just kind of this overarching umbrella and, and the and the greater lens that I'm looking at everything through is there's no way we win. Like big picture, there's no, no. way we win with these two buffoons driving the car, directing the ship, whatever metaphor you want to make, there's no way to win with them. So I think that I think that that in a way does something good for me this year. In a way, like for my psyche, for my mental, I, I can't get too up, even with Fields in. Uh-huh. I can't get down, even with too down, even with Dalton in, I, because my my expectation of this team is to once again win eight games and be picking from the 17th to the 20th pick in the NFL draft that will belong to the New York giants. So mm-hmm. I just don't, I just don't know that there's the, the consequence of all of this to put a period on, on my, on my great, on this, on this long winded state. Just go. It's fine. It's fine. You don't the know where you're going yet, but you're, you're getting somewhere. I keep going. The consequence to being led by these two people is mediocrity. And it always will be no matter how, no matter how, well, your players perform or how poorly they perform, the consequence to these two guys leading is mediocrity. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it because I I mean, Ryan Pace has obviously tried to take some gamble, make some decisions, and some of them have gone right and some of them have gone wrong. I think Ryan Pace is, like you said, he's capable enough to be mediocre but kind of doesn't know what to do to take that next step and him trying to take that next step and kind of repeatedly failing here with the Bears has just put them into cap hell long term and and for some reason because the McCaskies seem to like him and think he's a good guy like you were saying uh, it it seems like he kind of has as big of a safety net as he wants now I, I I think he's also put together a team that probably, like you said, gets them to eight wins, gets them to seven, eight, nine wins, something like that, and might give him a chance to talk his way into a job. Uh, and that's a little bit disheartening. I, I, I will say I still can get up when I see Justin Fields do good things. That's probably the one thing that can 
make me believe that there's some hope going forward because if you have a quarterback, you have a chance. And if he shows that, you know, if he takes steps to show that he is the franchise quarterback that everybody thinks he is, I'm still going to get excited about that. But it's hard to get too excited, like you said, when you when you know who's running the show, when you know who the head coach is, and they've just kind of proven you, time and again that they're not good enough. They're good enough to beat the teams they probably should and put together capable football teams, kind of, but not not good enough to get over the hump, get over where they need to be because they've had an, five, whatever, an un, nine years, they haven't been able to do it. There's an unbreakable ceiling on this team's potential with these two men leading the team. So uh, until that changes, and I don't know if if it changes in the near term or even in the long term, because let's say Bears go out there, they are an eight-win team. Uh, you don't want to give Justin Fields a new playbook and a bunch of new people around him next year so they get a second year. And then after the second year, it's no good. So then you're two years into Justin Fields' mm-hmm. rookie contract and making him learn. Like it just, it just, well, this was, this, I, and we, I will say it, at nauseum, this Justin Fields pick was a band-aid on a broken leg. This is there is so much institutional oh. there's so much institutional failure within the Bears franchise that yeah, we can get excited about Justin Fields because we might have a franchise quarterback, but it, it it's a smile on the outside and we're broken on the inside. That's, that's a, all it is. That's very I'm very, very, very happy that the Chicago Bears have Justin Fields and that it appears that we have a franchise quarterback, but where the team is now, all that move was, I agree with you, was a move for Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy to try and buy time and save their jobs and see what they can do with this like, you know, influx of, of life, you know, quote unquote mm-hmm. life into their, you know, their regime, if that makes sense. I, I agree with you more. This is a band-aid over what was I mean, if, if they went into this year without Justin Fields, I, I the attitude I mean the the night they drafted Justin Fields, the attitude about the Bears flipped in the, you know, in the reading of a name card. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it probably shouldn't have. We're going to be excited about Justin Fields, but like you said, at the same time, there's so much wrong with this group, with this franchise, with the people running it. And honestly, for me, it, it, we've talked about it before, it, it starts above Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy because those people have no idea how to identify good football people, the right people to be inside their organization. And quite honestly, it seems like they're pretty darn gullible because they've let Ryan Pace talk himself into nine years on a job where he hasn't won a playoff game. I don't, uh, I don't know if you caught uh, Barstool Chicago's interview with Dave Wanstead. Oh, I did. But, that was uh, electric. Wani alluded to Ted Phillips. And, you know, when Wani was there, they asked him, like, anybody there? Because like, he said something about, you know, he had a he went through a list of everybody in the within the franchise with Ditka when he took over the job and Ditka mm-hmm. essentially gave a thumbs up or a thumbs down to everyone. It was either a check for yes or an X yeah. to them for no. And uh, Eddie asked Juan, he goes, you know, any check marks still in the building today or any X marks still in the building today? And Juan he thought about it, he goes, No, not really. He goes, the only person there really is Ted Phillips, but he was in the accounting department when, when Wani was the head yeah. coach. And yes, it's a long time ago. And people develop and people learn new, new things. But Wani essentially said, this is not the guy who should be setting the course for the franchise. Like, this is not a player personnel guy. This is a numbers guy. Um, and we've all known that. But to your point. It was nice maybe, hearing somebody maybe, in the building like Wani actually yeah, say that, confirm Yeah, it's just, um, 
it's just institutional failure. Let's but uh, it is a win. Let's it is a win back. against Cincinnati. I don't know about that. I don't know. Um, it, he said, "Give him Mitch in that defense. He makes the playoffs every year." That's that's like why I said I don't know about that because um, that might be a crazy person too. Um, Matt, we need to talk about the defense before we move on to our NFL whip around. They do show up. They do show out. They uh, must have listened they, to the pod last week. They get to the quarterback, and namely Khalil Mack gets to the quarterback. Robert Quinn gets to the quarterback. Now a sack and a half on the season. Um, he can't. He can't win a one on one. I was spot shadowing Quinn. Oh no, uh, for a good amount of that. He got to the quarterback off some really, really um, inventive stunts there. A lot of uh, a lot of loop around stuff. Um, yeah, the big sack they, he had they, they was gotta, totally. They gotta, they got to game him to the quarterback, yeah. essentially, which is fine. Like, yeah, but this, do you have that to happens game, 70, do you have to game 70, $70 million, million dollars to the quarterback? Hopefully not, but essentially you do now with Robert Quinn. Um, but Quinn gets to the quarterback. Matt gets to the quarterback. Uh, I, I guess I didn't really see enough out of Hicks that I would have wanted to. Um, Eddie Jackson was flying around again. He looked like uh, he was kind of rallying to the ball a bit. Jalen Johnson's numbers, like Jalen Johnson's numbers. If he, you his, said it before, if he stays healthy, he's going to be yeah. a, a, a bona fide number one corner in this league. He's I think his, uh, his pass catch win rate uh, is number one amongst cornerbacks right now in mm-hmm. the NFL through two weeks, which is awesome. Um, he's had some little, big assignments too. With, we're a little know. thin on the other side. Roquan is an all pro defender, uh, mm-hmm. made a fantastic play. And then looked like a running back once he got the ball in his hands, uh, heading the other way. So Johnson comes up with a big, uh, or was it Jalen with the pick? It was, uh, it was the other. Yeah, yeah, it was Jalen with the pick, right? I think so. If I'm not mistaken, no, who had the interception? I'm, look, I got hold. On, I got it open here. Why aren't we seeing ints? Roquan no. had the pick. Big oh, uh, yeah, it was Jalen. It was Jalen. It was Jalen had the yeah. pick. So three interceptions on three consecutive passes that. Um, Really allowed some breathing room that we ultimately ended up needing. But um, just your general takeaway of this defense, like night and day from week one, obviously. But Mm -hmm. um, which, if those are the two ends of the gamut, if those are the two extremes of this defense, where do you think this Bears defense more readily lies? Closer to what we saw in week two or closer to what we saw in week one? Man, this is going to sound like a cop-out answer, but probably like right in the middle. Yeah. Um, it's I, I know it was the Bengals, but the Bengals also have some really good weapons. It, granted, their offensive line isn't anything to write home about, but they have a very good who we think is a, a very good quarterback. They have a maybe not top tier running back, but just that run below it. And Joe Mixon, you look at their receivers. I mean, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase. They have three really good receivers, and I thought the Bears played them really well. The difference between this week and, and last week with the Rams is the Rams have a little bit more of an offensive line and were able to protect their quarterback. But it was nice to see a – the Bears' defense isn't going to be this good all year long, obviously, but it was nice to see a response because that's what we – that's what Akeem Hicks was saying in the media. That's what Roquan was saying. That's what they're all saying is, you know, we, we know we sucked. And we, we kind of said, you know, took a look in the mirror, all that good stuff, and said we need to be better. And a lot of times you actually you hear people say that and they don't do it. This defense actually did respond against a, a pretty darn good group of weapons on offense for the Bengals stepped up. And you mentioned Hicks is kind of being a little bit quiet. I actually thought in the run game, him and Nichols both played pretty darn well. Akeem Hicks both of those guys are kind of taking up space for Eddie Goldman right now, and hopefully they get back Eddie Goldman healthy to free those two up a little bit more. But being the two big guys in the middle, taking up space, taking up double teams, helping prevent the run, I thought Nichols and Hicks did a pretty pretty decent job. And yeah, like you said, Robert Quinn, it's unfortunate that they have to plan stunts for a $70 million defensive end to get home, but he did. He did. 
<laughs> Whatever it takes, Matt. Whatever it takes. I was fun. I was. I was I, the the sack that he had. Obviously, he got in very easily, untouched for the for the free sack. But they showed the replay, and the it was must have been the the ta- they had lined up Mac and Quinn on the same side, and. Mac took the, the double. The Quinn Matt, looped around it. It wasn't even the. It was, I'm not sure it was even supposed to be a double. I mean, when you when you have those stunts and you have two linemen, it's if your guy shoots one way, you never turn with him. You kind of pass. No, him you, off you don't get square. buried. You don't this, get buried. What, that lineman just completely <laughs> buried himself and could be in Khalil Mack. I was watching that, and it, it was literally just taking me back to like a, a Wesleyan individual se- session where a, a JV lineman was going up against one of our star defensive linemen and just buried himself. But it was it's a learning opportunity it was, here. Whoever that offensive lineman is probably had a had a fun fun film session on Monday. Yeah, um, Matt, you ready for a little NFL whip around? Uh, week three here, we are on to Cleveland. Uh, the Bears going to be underdogs here on the road. I don't have the number in front of me, but uh, hoping to move to two and one with a little statement win here against Baker and the boys. Let's do it. It all started on Thursday night with the Giants and the Washington football team. The New York Giants finding new ways to lose week in and week out. This time they go offsides on a missed field goal, allowing a second try and a loss at the hands of a divisional rival. This was I. <laughs> this was everything you hope Thursday night football is, I feel like. It, it had everything. It was two not great teams that are probably going to hang around because the division might not be good, but two not great teams, stupid penalties, fluke plays, all that stuff. This game had everything. I loved it. It was so much fun to watch. And I, I, Washington might have something in Taylor Heineke. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's going to be a star quarterback ever, but he's starting to look like a guy that, you know, with the right pieces around him, you can probably win with. And it seems like in that locker room, he's a guy that everybody wants on their team. Like Terry McLaurin was saying, like, I- I'd go to war with that guy any day. So good for him. Uh, was in the XFL two years ago. And now he's winning in primetime. Perhaps uh, the most quintessential Thursday night football game that you could ever ask for uh, with the finish that we saw. Uh, Thoughts and prayers here to the New York Giants fans. On Sunday, we know what happened between the Bears and the Cincinnati Bengals. Cleveland and Houston. Cleveland and Houston played a tighter game than some would have expected. 31-21, the final in favor of Cleveland. Houston was going right along until Tyrod Taylor kind of blew his hammy there. Mm -hmm. He's uh, making his way to the IR, so it'll be Davis Mills here on short rest. Uh, heading into their Thursday night matchup. But a week ago, Baker separates his shoulder, pops that thing back in, and leads his team to victory. Uh, Cleveland wins by 10. Yeah, that was. Uh, it's too bad for Tyrod Taylor because he was actually having himself a year and he was able to keep the Texans like a competitive football team playing pretty well. And now it probably goes the way we all thought it would. Nothing against Davis Mills. I just I don't think he's going to be able to uh, uh, jump in to a terrible team and, and play decent football without having too much experience. But uh, Cleveland looked like they maybe had a few holes, unless that was a letdown spot against the Chiefs. So hopefully we're uh, have some spots we might be able to exploit next week. I don't know. I'm just trying to be positive. Yeah, they'll catch him on the downturn a little bit here. We'll see. Uh, Los Angeles and Indianapolis land on Baker's it. shoulder. 27-24, not a bad idea. 27-24 final in Indy. LA comes out of there with the road win. It's a Cooper Cup game. Dude looked absolutely dominant, and it looks like, um, you know, it always was It was always wide receiver by committee there in LA, mm-hmm. but now it's Stafford there. It looks like Stafford, through two weeks, has identified Cup as his number one um, very much uh, a, a dominant force out there. They're running the ball effectively as well. Indy hangs around. 
despite uh, Carson Wentz going out with two sprained ankles. Uh, the second one was ugly, so uh, not knowing if he's going to be available here for week three action. But, Matt, your reaction to this one is what? Uh, like you said, Cooper Cup is really, really good. And he yeah. tore, tore the ACL, what was it, last year? Two years ago? Uh, two years ago. Whatever, two years. E- either way, seeing a guy tear up a knee like that and be able to come back and be this dominant, be this good, I know it's a little bit more prevalent than it used to be, but it's it's nice to see those guys come back and play well, and he is proving to be, like you said, Matt Stafford's kind of go-to guy in a room of pretty talented weapons at receiver they got. So the Rams look legit. I, I it was nice to see them face some adversity and actually have to come back from it, uh, which they did. They didn't face too much of that against the Bears. Yeah. Um, but they look as good as anybody does in that NFC West. Probably better. Buffalo and Mijami, 35 nothing. Miami, after winning their opener, plays an absolute egg against Buffalo. Uh, Josh Allen still does not look right. Um, he does not look like the MVP runner-up from a year ago. No. He's missing reads. He's throwing balls off the mark. He looks like the what do we have here year two Josh Allen. I'm not sure what the regression is due to, but it's worrisome. And it feels funny to have this conversation coming out of a 35-0 win, but Tua goes down early with some broken ribs. Bad news for the Miami Dolphins fans um, because I mean, are you gonna are you gonna win with Jacoby Brissett? A uh, quick answer is no, because thirty five nothing was just deflating. They even had a couple takeaways there. The uh-huh. offense was unable to capitalize. But my biggest takeaway, my biggest worry, Josh Allen. Who are you? What are you? Yeah, uh, he has not looked like the MVP runner up from last year that he was. It, it's it's only two weeks. It's still early. A lot of time to adjust. He's had. Uh, a couple tough defensive matchups in the early going. Maybe he just needs to get right game. But yeah, you're, you're right. He hasn't looked like he was projected to look this year like we hoped he would. I mean, both of us had the Bills going to the Super Bowl. And if he's looking like this, that's just not going to happen. But still some time. Still some time for him. And yeah, Miami, uh, tough break for them with Tua. But it, maybe this is just the, the fuel they need to go make a trade for a quarterback. And maybe they're going to be calling Houston about Deshaun Watson. The New York Jets peer into their future to the tune of four Zach Wilson interceptions oh against the New England Patriots. I don't read too far into this one. No. It's a young quarterback that they're rolling out there before he's really ready, and that's fine. That's that's fine. There are going to be mistakes, and those mistakes are going to come at the hands of a Bill Belichick-led mm-hmm. defense. He just eats rookie quarterbacks alive. No surprise here. New England wins 25-6. to six. Yeah, uh, like you said, I— not too much to worry about. I think from an outside perspective, if I were a Jets fan, I would absolutely be doing the whole here we go again kind of thinking because how could you not? But Zach Wilson has talent. He has tools. He can move. It, facing an almost impossible matchup here, I, I wouldn't read too much into it. I would look a lot more into whenever their second matchup with the Patriots is. Hopefully it's a little bit farther down the year and it's not coming up again pretty quickly. But it, look more into the second time he gets to go up against Belichick, how, how comfortable he looks towards the end of the season. Maybe that's a little bit more of a, of a judging point. Uh, moving on to our next matchup, we had the San Francisco 49ers and uh, Philadelphia Eagles. San Francisco gets out of Philly with a 17-11 road win. Uh, Jalen Hurts looked good again, both on the ground and through the air. Devo Samuel, much like Cooper Cup, looks like the feature wide receiver in a offense that usually was wide receiver by committee. Debo's looked really solid. Um, you know, Kyle Shanahan's going to get everybody going at uh-huh. some point. Um, that San Francisco team dealing with some injuries already, but it again looks like one of the tougher defenses across the NFL. 
Um, I still like them to be very much in that NFC Championship conversation. Yeah, they're a, they're a very good football team. On it, like it seems like the opposite of the Rams, who are kind of the flashy pick and they're going to make some big plays, but also make some mistakes and, and have some holes defensively. The Niners just kind of seem like a team that will never beat themselves and are going to make you beat them, and that usually gets you fairly far come you know end of the year in your division Super Bowl time if you can limit your mistakes and play sound football play good defensively you're going to have a a very good chance against anybody in this league and that's kind of what they do they they don't really beat themselves Mm -hmm. they play really good defense and they're going to make you beat them and if you make a mistake they're likely going to capitalize on it and it's kind of what they've been doing since Kyle Shanahan took over so I'm with you I'm very high on the Niners still like them in that NFC West. Uh, your Los An- Las Vegas, that is, uh, Raiders 2-0 and on the season after wins over the Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who are these Raiders? I mean, Derek Carr leading his team 382 yards through the air. Najee mm-hmm. Harris for Pittsburgh did look like maybe he found his footing. Henry Ruggs emerging as Vegas' top target here. But, man, they've come out of the gates as they did last year and as they tend to do come out of the gates really strong and then limp down the stretch. So I guess until we get on the other side of their bye or maybe on the other side of like week 10, will I really, really believe in Las Vegas? But man, they're showing some stuff on both sides of the ball coming out of Pittsburgh and casting some doubt over that quarterback situation. Big Ben didn't look great. Now I guess he's got a pack issue that might hold him in this week. He's got issues. Plenty of issues to come here in Pittsburgh. But uh, Vegas, I don't think you could have envisioned a better start for Las Vegas. I mean, yeah, you, you talk about how they have, they, they've gotten out to these good starts before, but these two good starts are against, you know, bona fide one, yeah. one team in the Ravens who, after what we saw Sunday night, which we'll get to, you, you have to kind of talk as a possible Super Bowl contender. Uh, the Steelers, who like we play really good defense and, and fine offensively, they went on the road to a really tough place to play in a early quote unquote, you know, time slot for them coming from west to east and, and they looked like they didn't really miss a beat. Derek Carr is starting to look like he even taking a he's taking a step from where he was last year and last year he took a big step and I mean if he, he's gonna be up in that upper echelon of quarterbacks, they can beat just about anybody in the league. But having said that, we've seen this movie before. We've seen them get off to a hot start and then we've seen them kind of just limp down the stretch the rest of the way. They have, they got the Dolphins, the Chargers, and the Bears coming up in their next three weeks. If they, it's very reasonable to think they should probably even go two and one in that stretch. And if if you start the year four and one, it's going to be really hard to not finish with you know ten wins. I, I don't know if there's a player in the NFL that's not a Chicago Bear that I root for harder than Derek. Carr. He just seems like I, a great guy. And the kind of is, teammate dude, you want to root for. He is the he is the best. He's the he's the human embodiment of leadership, dude. Yeah. He just like he's the biggest like lead by example. He's a God fearing man. He's a do on to others mm-hmm. type dude. Like he is so spectacular and people have often like positioned him as this cheesy kind of he's he's there's nothing cheesy about Uh him everything that comes out of his mouth is from his heart and i think that this is a team that is bought into that that's rallying around that man 
get this guy to the playoffs, get him a playoff win because he deserves it. Um, mm-hmm. Just for the type of leader that he's been. Um, I, I would love to see Las Vegas be an actual player this year in the AFC. So New Orleans I. and Carolina, Carolina coming away with a 26 to seven win. I mean, this was head scratcher. Yeah. This is what we saw what? week one in New Orleans uh, with that dominant win over Green Bay neutral site. Jacksonville, James comes out and doesn't look nearly uh, as productive as he did a week ago. Carolina also looks better than I think anyone expected here with the Darnold McCaffrey hookup uh-huh. and a defense, a defense that can kind of rival anybody right now through two weeks. They've been flying around. They're young. They're flashy. They're taking the ball away. They're rallying to the football. I, I like this Carolina defense to keep this team relevant for some time. Now, are they a playoff team? I don't believe so. But a really nice showing here in a 26-7 win over New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, the, the best way to get to the playoffs is to win your divisional games. And they, they started off that way, especially winning at home against a pretty good Saints team. It looked really good against Green Bay. They they absolutely dominate. And I think you're going to get some performances like this from Jameis here and there. But my biggest takeaway is Sam Darnold is looking more like the whatever number two overall pick that he was. We never really saw this in New York because he had, you know, Adam Gase the whole time and couldn't get comfortable and was seeing ghosts. Seems like he's in a good spot. He has some talent around him with McCaffrey and Moore and Robbie Anderson. And when you have a good defense that plays that way, it's a lot easier to play quarterback and play offense. So good for the Panthers. Like you said, not necessarily sold on them as a playoff team just yet, but 2-0 is 2-0, and they got a dominant home win against the Saints. Uh... The unequivocal game I saw the least of award this week goes to Denver, Jacksonville. I have nothing to say about it. Denver wins 23-13. to I did see a nice touchdown pass uh, by Trevor Lawrence. That's about it. The, my takeaway is that Urban Meyer is definitely not taking the USC job. Okay. Definitely not. Can't confirm. Definitely Minnesota, not. Minnesota-Arizona in the Patrick Peterson Bowl was a <laughs> wild one. Uh, Minnesota right there with the game on their foot again. Uh, they're now the butt of the kicking joke in the NFL. Yeah. It's no longer the Bears. Definitely get, not get us. Out of Don't say It hasn't been for a year anymore. and a half. Don't it's, say it. Uh, uh, someone said it at work the other day, and I got really mad and probably like an unprofessional level of mad, but uh, that's near, neither here nor there. But Minnesota, definitely the butt of the kicking joke after a missed one uh, off the leg of Greg. Uh, who's, who's their Whoever kicker? their kicker is now. It doesn't uh, matter. He probably won't be their kicker in two weeks. Kyler looked really good again. Arizona wins at 34-33. That Arizona defense didn't look great, uh, giving up a buck 31 to Dalvin Cook and, and a bunch to the air to uh, to a less than stellar quarterback in uh, in Kirk Cousins. But uh-huh. uh, Arizona comes away with the win. They're sitting 2-0. Arizona's going to be fun to watch all year. I mean, Kyler, yeah. at least their offense is going to be really fun to watch. Hopefully, defensively, they can figure out a little bit more because they'll need to if they want to compete in that division. But... They've, they've shown they can score on just about anybody. Kyler has clearly taken the next step that we kind of talked about. And it looks like they found something in Rondale Moore. He, he looks like he's a very, very nice piece in that offense that fits really, really well with that group. Matt, what if I told you the best quarterback in the NFL is 44 years old and might score 40 plus in every game this season? I would believe would, you because I'm a. Would top you believe that? <laughs> because after, would you believe you know, that after a Bears podcast, after a golf podcast, after a Rick Ross podcast, or a Tom I think, Brady podcast? I, I think I think every time we've had an NFL season preview, which is what four or five times now, we've said we're not going to be we're going to be the last ones off the top. Last Brady ones to ship. sell on Tom Brady. I, it's not surprising to me. I will never. I, I will sell on Tom Brady when Tom Brady retires. Tom Brady can be 50 
and I still would think if he thinks he can play that he can come and put up numbers in the NFL. They take down the Falcons 48-25, to a game that hung in the balance there in the second half for a second or two uh, until until Tom said it. <laughs> that's, that's about enough. And it sounds weird to say, but it really feels like there's some untapped potential in this Buccaneers offense still. Uh, Mike Evans got going a little bit in this mm-hmm. game. I think he had uh, a couple late catches to, to boost his number to a more respectable spot, but he hasn't been a feature in this offense just yet. We didn't see a whole lot of A-B in the offense. I think he caught like one ball last week. Uh, Cam Brate hasn't been. They have so many uh-huh. weapons that each week it's going to be a couple guys and you're going to say, oh, maybe Evans didn't have the biggest week. Oh, maybe uh, O.J. Howard didn't have the biggest week. But next week it could be that guy. They're so multiple in the ways that they can beat you offensively, defensively. It's a solid group that I think has underperformed to their lofty expectations mm-hmm. to this point. Um, but the offense is buying them plenty of time and plenty of leeway to figure things out. Uh, they, they look like the best team in the NFC right now. Yeah, we talked about the defense. People talked about not just us being an elite group. They haven't quite lived up to that yet, but there's a lot of talent there. They're very well coached. I, I believe when the season's over, they'll still end up being you know a top five, top ten defense in the NFL. And the offense, like you said, it, they're putting up points, but there's still something there that kind of makes you think that they can hit that next level. And it's very fitting to what the Bucks did last year and what the Bucks did or the Patriots did a lot with, with Tom the last, you know, five, ten years, kind of during the second stint of the dynasty. Some slow starts, but by the time we get to midseason, by the time we get to, you know, snow falling on the ground, granted not in Tampa. Tampa, the Brady's teams are going to be firing on all cylinders. He's going to have his guys going. He's going to be relying on A.B. and Gronk towards the end. Of, they're going to get it going. They're going to get it figured out. They're going to be as efficient as anybody come playoff time, except now they're just starting early off in the year, dropping 48 points in what was it, 31 in the opener. Uh, he's on pace for like 70-something touchdowns this Will season. Will Tom so. Brady break the record? What, what is it, like 50-something? I think it's 50, 51. Isn't it his? No, he had it, and then uh, Peyton, Peyton Breeze. I think Peyton, I think broke it. Peyton broke in, it uh, when he was in Denver one year. That, that first year, year that he had Denver. the seven, the seven touchdown game to start the season. Yeah, got they, him off to a nice start. Yeah, they lost that. They lost the playoffs. I think to Baltimore that year, but he was like, he was just yeah, seven touchdowns. It seemed like he was throwing for four every week. Uh, Cowboys and Chargers go to a 2017 finish. Uh, Dallas comes away with the field goal win in a. Uh, I mean, it's not a must-win spot, but do you want to open up 0-2 Dallas? I don't think so. Dallas 20-17. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of gave some flowers to Taylor Heineke and the Washington uh, football team here a, a couple minutes ago. But to me, Dallas is head and shoulders better than everybody in their division. And I, if they don't win that division, somebody's got to be held accountable because they are so much more talented than anybody else in the NFC East. Uh, I'm with you. They are. We will be. We didn't know what to expect from them, uh, given you know their their questions defensively coming into the year, questioning you know Dak's health. Uh, people aren't all that high on Mike McCarthy. Uh, they've answered some questions early on. They going toe to toe with with Tom in Tampa on, on opening night that was impressive, and then going into L.A. and, and holding Justin Herbert to 17 points, even though he did put up his numbers. The Chargers were struggling to finish drives there. They were turning the ball over doing what they did and then the offense doing enough to win that wasn't your prototypical Cowboys win we've we've seen the last few years usually they've been winning shootouts to see them go and win you know kind of a kind of a back and forth you know brawl defensive stand, you know, defensive game that was impressive on the road uh, they are 
through in- two weeks, by far the best team in that division. They Very interesting them. Interesting to see what they're going to do with their backs here uh, because Tony Pollard was the feature back with Zeke being the uh, kind of third down or like mix up or uh, shake it up guy. Uh, not featuring Zeke early on. I wonder what's going on there. But I think they're trying sh- to save him for. I, 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 yeah. I think they're trying to make sure he plays 17 games this year, and there's yeah. not that stretch in the in the middle of the year where he's off. You know, four or five weeks. Titans I did. The Seahawks I did have was... Tony Pollard first touchdown plus 2200 nice. in that. Game, nice. By the way. That's nice. back. That's back to back weeks with a plus 2200 with a uh, with a first touchdown prop. We love that. We love I'm rolling. That. I'm rolling. Uh, Stay hot. The Tennessee Titans take down the Seattle Seahawks in overtime, 33 to 30, in a comeback affair. Seattle was leading, I think, 24 nine at halftime, and then Tennessee comes storming back uh, to tie the ball game up. They win on a kick. The Seahawks just—it seems like the Seahawks are always in these games. Mm-hmm. They've never played a normal football game in the last ten years. Like it's just always down to the last tick it's always down to the last minute and they end up on the wrong side of this one again the rust to lock it hook up is ready made but wasn't enough derrick henry um slow to start in this one but finishes with 35 carries 182 yards three touchdowns a long one and i believe he had the best performance by a non-quarterback in fantasy in like three years at 44 points yeah, it's, it's almost like the Titans went back to the old Arthur Smith offense of let's just give the ball to our best player and build off that. And, and th- that seemed to work for them in the second half. Uh, we talked about just now the Cowboys really needing one, needing that one. The Titans really needed this one after you know kind of laying an egg at home against Arizona to come back, outscore Seattle. What was it, 21 to, it looks 21 to 6, including uh, third and fourth quarter, and then obviously winning in overtime. Uh, they they needed that one very badly, and I, I, they they proved some people wrong there, and back on the right track for easily the best team in that division. Kansas City and Baltimore, a meeting of MVPs in Lamar and uh, Patty Mahomes. What a game! Was was billed as the matchup of the week and lived up to that billing and surpassed any expectation. Amazing game. Um, Lamar, again, slow to start, much like Derrick Henry, and then put his numbers up, led his team to a victory in a big spot. He was 0-4 prior against Mahomes. Uh, Mahomes hadn't lost in September, hadn't thrown an interception in September. Kansas City's unbeatable in September. But then Mahomes makes a questionable decision, and that really turned the game as he was getting taken to the ground, flips Uh that ball out turns it over and that was a turning point in your ball game i think at times kansas city they've been so good for so long and so offensively potent that they just assume some things and they yeah. assume that they can get away with that and pat mahomes sometimes is a little bit too confident in his abilities to ad lib and make something happen and that got them in a, a tough spot here against baltimore in baltimore baltimore wins at 36 35 john harbaugh uh, empowering his people, telling uh, telling Lamar there on the fourth and short, you want to go for it. And, you know, a, a lot was made of that moment and uh, Harbaugh putting that decision in his quarterback's hands. And I don't really think he was doing that. I think he was more asking that question to gauge where Lamar was at because of an ounce of hesitation there from your quarterback and you're, run, and you're running the punt team yeah. out there. But for Lamar to answer as vehemently as he did, and for Harbaugh to believe in his guy that much, um, really, really cool stuff uh, to watch that game end the way it did with Baltimore essentially saying, can you stop us going for a yard? We know you can't. Yeah, uh, that was really the story of the game was the Chiefs 
offense until the end there where, you know, Patrick Mahomes made the mistake and a couple turnovers. The Chiefs offensively were pretty much able to do whatever they wanted. But once Lamar stopped, you know, throwing interceptions, those two interceptions on the first couple drives, they were able to run the football at will. And I know they run the football really well, but the Raiders were able to adjust and kind of contain their run on Monday Night Football. The Chiefs were just not able to do that. And it's it's an it's easy to say that this is the formula, have maybe the best run game in football and be able to take away Tyreek Hill. But even though like Baltimore executed their game plan to perfection, they still needed a fumble from, you know, Clyde Edwards Alaire in easy field goal range to win that ball mm-hmm. game. So I think it's still if you're if you're a Chiefs fan, you're coming away from this one pretty confident, thinking, you know what? We went on the road in a really tough environment. They gave us their absolute best shot. And if our, you know, MVP, all everything quarterback doesn't make one dumb decision falling to the ground and our, you know, first round pick rookie running back doesn't get stripped, fumble the ball in the final minute, we still come out on top in that game. Uh, Tells you a lot about the Ravens, but still tells you a lot, I think, where the Chiefs are at and how good they still are. Oh, yeah. There's there's no knocking them off uh, anytime soon. In the Monday night matchup, a NFC North showdown between the Lions and the Packers. The Lions carry a 17-14 lead into half and then get blanked in the second half. Uh, Aaron Rodgers throws some tasty dimes in that mm-hmm. one. Uh, Green Bay, as an offensive unit, will continue to succeed as long as that man is the quarterback. Um, he makes everybody around him look great. Devontae Adams was held in check for the larger part of that game. But you he had like the Devontae one big away. play, and that was kind of it. Yeah, right? but that was the turning point. That yeah. that was the momentum shift in that game. That got everybody going. That got Lambo back into it because mm-hmm. I think there was some uh, nervous energy surrounding them after being down three at the half uh, to the Lions of all teams. I, I think that this. I think that this Green Bay defense. I don't think they're not good. I think they're bad. I think this Green Bay defense is really bad, especially without Zadarius Smith mm-hmm. out there. That hurts. Um, they're they're bad. They're really they're really bad, and they can be beaten. Yeah, uh, I would absolutely agree with that. I, I don't think they're very good. I also think that the Lions might be. If we were treating them as was everybody, kind of a laughing stock going into this season. I don't think they're that bad. I think they're, no, they're pesky. pesky. I think bunch, they have yeah. some talent. I think they're going to show some fight, but ultimately they're not going to win too many games. And credit to Jared Goff. He he's came into a really bad situation, leaving L.A., coming to Detroit, rebuilding spot, all that. He's, he's playing pretty good football so far. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't think I learned a ton from the Packers uh, that I didn't already know. I, obviously, their offense wasn't going to be as bad as it was in New, versus New Orleans to start the year, but... I don't think we know much more about their offense, and I think we still know that their defense isn't great. Yeah, we talk about the chip on Aaron Rodgers' shoulder. How about the chip on uh, on Jared Goff's shoulder? I mean, coming to Detroit, cast aside by L.A., sent to grimy Detroit, and he's, he's going to go play some football. And it's yeah. been it's – been, uh, I've been enthused by what I've seen out of Jared Goff through two weeks. That is your week two NFL whip around, Matt. We're on to week three. We're on to Cleveland. Can I, can I, one more comment on the Lions-Packers game there? I had two awful bad beats. I had DeAndre okay. Swift over 41 and a half yards rushing. He had okay. eight carries for 37 yards midway through the third quarter. Finished the game with eight carries, 37 yards. That's and fair. I had Jared Goff under half an interception, so no interceptions at plus 140. He mm-hmm. threw an interception in garbage time, falling to the yep. ground with three minutes left. Yeah, that was, was tough. That was tough. It was tough for me. Uh, for the people keeping track at home, my on-air picks, 2-0. I handed out Packers team total over 30 and a half. 
That's a winner, winner, winner. Uh, but here on the Moose and Roots podcast, our locks of the week, I get on the board finally. You're on the board. Welcome. One and, one and two on the season after a winning pick here this week. Matt, you're two and one after winning as well. Let's hand out some uh, locks of the week for this week. What do you got? Uh, you know, I gave you a college one early uh, when, in, in the pre-show meeting here, our, our very mm-hmm. hefty uh, – production meetings they go for a long time they get very spirited very very lively uh i gave out a college one i'm gonna i'm gonna reverse course here we talked a little bit about the titans and how they kind of hit their stride in seattle talked about carson wentz having double sprained ankles they are laying five at home against the colts i know it's a divisional game but i don't like where the colts are at right now if if they're not going to have their quarterback i like where the titans are at i'm going to take the titans to lay the five at home in a divisional game against the colts all right, so he's going with the favorite there uh, in Tennessee. I am taking you to a team total. I am playing the 49ers team total over 26 and a half. Uh, they're playing the Packers. It's in prime time. We've seen this movie before. Aaron Rodgers traveling to Northern California. The last time he did that was last year in an empty stadium. He snuck out of there with a whip. The two times prior, in a packed Levi's stadium he lost an nfc championship game and the packers gave up 300 plus yards rushing the line that was a fun of that going to raheem mostert two months prior to that on monday night football or sunday night football joe musso in the building game was over before it started that's why it was uh, over it started because joe musso was in the building the people are clamoring they knew uh, that yeah. was the bosa sack uh, strip sack fumble touchdown on like the set first offensive play of the game for Green Bay. I, it's just a tough place for Aaron Rodgers to go back and play, to go back and win. I think this defense shuts them down. Not only that, I think Kyle Shanahan has this defense's number. I think that he has Green Bay's number. I think that they go back to the run here. They assert their will. I'm going team total over 26 and a half. Give Jimmy G his flowers. I like it. I like it. Uh, Matt, that's it. That's it for football talk. But uh, we do have a special edition here of Ryder Cup breakdown here on the Moose and Runes podcast. Mm. I mean, I, I don't know how you want to get into this. I don't know what you want to touch upon here. It's whistling straights. It's in your backyard. Rune's going to be in the building. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. The yep. USA, obviously, on paper is a far better team, but they don't play these things on paper. The European team has won seven of the last nine. They've been outmatched, and uh, the underdogs, I, and I believe all but one or two of those. Um, so we've seen this story before, sort of. Um, seems like the boys are playing nice between Brooks and Bryson. Uh, what's what's number one on your radar here as you make your way to Whistling Straits? Honestly, it's going to sound cheesy, corny, whatever, but seeing Brooks and Bryson on the range yesterday, I don't really even care if that was organized or planned, but seeing them on the range yesterday just kind of talking, chatting, being buddy-buddy, Brooks watching Bryson hit drivers, I think that eased a lot of my tension, eased a lot of my concern, worry. I, I, I know a lot of their comments, especially Brooks's, were – not great, but also blown up and kind of twisted and turned to make it sound like he doesn't care, which I like. I think we talked about it last week. I don't think that's the case. It's not that he doesn't care. It's just it's different than he's used to. Seeing those two appear to be on the same page, appear to be ready to go, um, that was was nice for my my concerns, my worries. And I'm, I'm ready to see everybody else. I'm, I'm excited to see how Colin Morikawa looks in his first Ryder Cup and to see which bomber they kind of pair him with. Because if you get him with the right guy off the tee and you have him going, you know, teeing off on most of those par threes, that's going to be a pretty lethal pairing with how good of an iron player he is. I'm really excited to see Justin Thomas and, and, and Jordan Spieth hopefully be a team most of the weekend. Mm-hmm. That's going to be so fun to watch. And there's a lot of Ryder Cup rookies. 
seeing how Scheffler, Berger, English, Shoffley, even, like how those guys perform early on, I'm really excited to see how they look in their first Ryder Cup at home, uh, you know, on home soil, all that stuff. That's kind of why I think, and there's the, the range of outcomes here is always very wide at a Ryder Cup, but I think we dominate this weekend for that very fact, our lack of experience. Mm-hmm. Got a bunch of killers on this team that don't know the heartbreak of past Ryder Cups. You know, this was always Phil's team. This was always Tiger's team. This was, for a couple moments there, Patrick Reed's team. Those guys are out of sight, out of mind right now. I I, I love those guys, Patrick Reed notwithstanding. But uh, I think that a new air about this team and the fact that it is Jordan's team It's a lot of new blood. It is Justin's team It's Jordan and Justin's team. Those are the vocal leaders of this team. It's DJ's team. Maybe he's going to be the lead-by-example guy. Um, It's... It's going to be a lot of fun to see this youth movement on the USA side of things to just say, hey, go out there and be better than them. Take the pressure off of your back. Play the golf you know you're capable of playing and dominate in in every facet here. Even Bryson, who's got some Ryder Cup experience and doesn't have a point to his name. I believe he was uh, back in 2016, he was was 0-3. And then in 2018, he was 0-3 and 1 or something like that. Had a half point. Um, I think he's got a half point in his career but that was that was skinny mini um that was the scientist before he turned in that was bruce banner this is the incredible hulk you know um and i think the incredible hulk's gonna hulk is gonna try and bring whistling straights to its knees and we've talked about it in the past so maybe that doesn't translate to major championship wins but i think in a team format like this when you you know can take some take some chances in alternate shot when you could take some chances um, in, in some of this four ball stuff. I think that plays right into the big man's hand. I'm really excited to see him out there too. If he can play nicely with Brooks, um, you know, you got the bash brothers out there then. And I'm still holding out. Hope Reed. you see, I'm still holding out. Hope you see them paired up together on, on Friday morning. I don't, I don't necessarily hope for that. I don't, I don't necessarily hope for that. Not because of their personas, but because, um, I don't know that that's a good pairing. I don't know that that's a good um, – I not from like a personality standpoint either, just from like their games no, from their being – Their games don't complement each other very well. They're kind no, of, I, think they, I think it's just kind of yeah. like uh, you're wasting some length there that you could Fair go help somebody else with. So um, we're talking pairings now. Let's let's stick to there. Where where would – who would you like to see then on the first tee together tomorrow morning, first two to tee off? Or I don't know if Europe gets to tee off first because they won last, whatever. First two Americans to tee off. And who do you kind of want to see? Obviously, some pairings will be jumbled across the weekend. Some will probably stick together all weekend. Who who do you kind of want to see? What are your dreams? At least tomorrow morning, who goes off? There's four groups that go off tomorrow morning. Who are you yeah. going to be sitting? Who are you going to be pairing together? Uh, I am sending off jo- Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas first off the first tee. Set the Agreed. tone. Get the boys ra- rallied. Um, then no order behind them. A pairing that I would love to see would be the uh, Bryson-Dustin um, pairing. I think that Interesting. Dustin is the perfect foil to Bryson to where things start getting crazy. He's just kind of this calming force. Like, hey, yeah. we got this, man. Like, they're so opposed in terms of the way they go about their business that I think that plays nicely. Um, Beyond that, I think you can get, you can, you can have a lot of different pairings beyond that, but those are the, those are the two pairings that I'd really, really like to see Um, in terms of like a Tony Finau, Daniel Berger pairing would be Mm -hmm. awesome. A lot of, a lot of length in that pairing as well. And two guys who kind of 
love to lean into the swagger side of things. Um, you could maybe then put uh, you could maybe then put a, a Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Cantlay out there for a, a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. A little bit of who would, a. More, who would you have Morikawa going out with tomorrow morning? I mean, he's the guy that you got to assume is playing every. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd probably put. You know, I like a Morikawa Shoffley. I like a Morikawa Scheffler. I like a Morikawa Finau. I kind of like Morikawa with anybody because he's just that I, good. I, yeah, I think, and I think Colin's the type of guy who like Colin loves being a professional golfer. He mm-hmm. loves being at the hotel. He loves having these opportunities. It's not lost upon him. He's not jaded to it yet. Mm-hmm. I think you could put Colin Morikawa out there with just about anyone on this team and he succeeds. Um, that's you, That cannot be said for everyone on this yeah. roster. So I think that's where Colin Morikawa sort of becomes that um, that, uh, that that wild card, if you will, that you can essentially yeah. take two pair with anybody. Mm-hmm. He, he's the guy that you can play with anybody. I think that's a good one. What about you? What are some of your do's and don'ts from pairings? Well, I think, like you said, I think Justin and Jordan have to be the first two off. That's, I mean, they are, yeah. they are team America. They're, they are the, you know, the captains of team USA, whether they're actually labeled as that or not. They're, they're your on course, your eager and locker and leaders, all that stuff. I, I'm think I was thinking about who I want more a cow to go with. And you said DJ and Bryson. And I do like that pairing. Bryson's a guy that I would think of putting with with Morikawa because I, I think it's the risky player who's going to try to bomb it paired with the safe guy who can hit an iron from just about anywhere. I also for like that for that reason like Morikawa with Brooks because I, I think Brooks, especially in an alternate yeah. shot format, is a guy who one can bomb the ball with anybody, but two, he's going to get whether he admits it or shows it openly or not. In his head, I think Brooks is going to get annoyed if he's playing with a guy that's you know not hitting the ball too straight off the tee, putting him in bad spots. And I don't think Colin Morikawa is really ever going to put Brooks in a bad spot. He might not put him in the greatest of spots, but I think he plays so consistent that his alternate shots are going to leave Brooks with pretty decent looks at just about everything. And I don't think you're going to have a, a Tiger Phil Phil putting Tiger up against the wall situation. It would um, be really, it would be really hard to. Um... It'd be really hard to sit Patrick Cantlay. Yes, that, in terms so, of like in terms of like current form. I mean, coming off of the performance that yeah. he had three well, weeks ago and the week prior, the week prior, tomorrow, like, my fourth pairing tomorrow then would be tomorrow morning at least be Cantlay and probably Shoffley. Uh, because yeah. I think what Cantlay does best is what kind of Xander struggles with, and that's that's making those putts from 12 to 15. And if you have a guy like Cantlay, who uh, the last time we saw him in uh, going out, well, that might not have been the last, no, the tournament before that, the playoff with Bryson, where he was just mm-hmm. pouring in putts from everywhere. I, that's kind of the guy that complements Xander really well. We're talking about a guy in Xander who plays really pretty consistent golf. He just has trouble scoring on the greens and around them. You put him with a guy who can make a putt from just about anywhere. Putting is going to be the most important thing this weekend. It but always then, is every Ryder Cup. But then that kind of puts you into a situation. So I'd assume you're sitting Harris English, you're sitting Daniel Berger, you're sitting Scotty Scheffler. Who's your fourth sit? Uh, for the morning round, probably Tony Finau. And then Tony okay. Finau's fresh for your – he's fresh for your four ball as kind of one of your bombers. And like You put him with a with maybe a Morikawa. Maybe Brooks probably doesn't play 36 because he's had such an injury-riddled season. He's probably yeah. in the back. You probably jump bump up Finau, play like him that. with Morikawa. That way, you know, first off the tee is Tony. And if he you – know, hey, go at, go at one. Or maybe first off the tee is Morikawa. Hey, I'm in the fairway go ahead and try and hit the ball 400 yards. And if you do great, if not, I'm fine. I think that one thing that isn't, um, that isn't being talked about enough. I think that one thing that really 
benefits the United States, uh, one thing that's going to set us up for success is Steve Stricker. And, you know, the captain has to make these decisions, but not just the decisions that he's more than equipped to make, but the fact that Strix has got to get it done in his old backyard. You know, this is this is a man who understands golf in this part of the country. This is a man who is well-versed in Wisconsin. This is a man who is going to be in charge of not just picking his – his team and, and, and dispatching them as he sees fit, but also setting up this golf course to play into our favor. Uh-huh. You know, that's a big thing that Europe always does well when it's over there. They set up Le Golf National or whatever in France right to their strengths. And, and they kind of, they kind of took distance out of it. They uh-huh. took, uh, they took length out of the equation, which is, which is a big, um, advantage to the u.s side so i think setting this thing up long i think setting this thing up um, the the rough was like empty too it was very they cut it very very short which is even like you said setting up more to what the u.s does well which is which is like bomb the ball if you're in the first cut great you can still get a great look out of there we're gonna be and i think and i think Strix with couples in his back pocket and some of those other guys dl3 i think that that um i mean phil having I, i hope i hope phil just I hope Phil transitions gracefully into the vice captain role and doesn't um, doesn't give these guys too much of hey when I was out there I like to yeah. do this I I, I I hope that Phil doesn't get too much on the player side of things because this is his first foray away from being on the team in an active player role yeah um, I hope a there's a I, I hope there's some vice captains or, or Stricker who can kind of keep him in check because especially and don't get me wrong happy Phil won the PGA all that stuff I guarantee you in Phil's head even though he shouldn't be on the team, in Phil's head, he's thinking he should be on this team and he's going to kind of act as such. I, I, I fear he's going to act as such throughout the weekend. Uh, Matt, that's about all I got uh, on the Ryder Cup. I think we'll have a tons of takeaway on the back end of this thing once we see how it comes how it comes to pass, how it all uh, full out, folds out. I think that it's um, – I think there's just so much that could happen, so much unknown, so much uncertainty that – Again, we talk about the range of outcomes pretty often here on the pod. The range of outcomes here, not just from a final standpoint, but from an each and individual match and all the different pairings, it's vast. Um, so I think it's going to be a really fun week out there at Whistling Straits. I hope you have a great time. Come back with some merch. Buy me something nice. You know what I think we should do? For we, I know I'm not. this isn't going to be locks of the week, but from a gambling angle, I, I know it's a little bit few and far between. I think you and I should look at some, look at some picks and put together a Moose and Runes Ryder Cup parlay for the weekend. Okay, you don't like that? Like, like right now? Like right now? No, like not right now. You... No, we'll, we'll we'll send it out on the Twitter account. Uh, so okay, we'll tweet okay, it okay. out. No, we don't have to do it right now. I, I don't have the odds up. That'd be we need to study our picks, Joe. But I think we should yes. we should tweet out a, a, a Moose and Runes Ryder Cup parlay for the weekend. I like it. Keep, Pro, keep an eye out for that. That's uh, promo code that's, Moose and Runes gives you nothing. But that's, type it that's in, big, see if it works. That's big time. Uh, that's big time uh, engagement right there. That's from, what we're trying Matt to really. do. Just, just really sending people over to the Twitter. Then you send them to Twitter. Twitter sends them to Instagram. Mm-hmm. You just keep them. You just keep that's them locked you, in. You, you reel them, them in, and then in, you Matt. keep them there. Uh, Matt, you got anything else for the people here before we say goodbye? It was a comprehensive pod here, talking NFL, talking Ryder Cup. Uh, any big college takeaways that we glossed over here? Notre Dame's um, going to play to their competition every yeah, year. Yeah, I, I don't know why Notre Dame's getting six and a half against Wisconsin. I don't think I'd have them be favored, but that seems like a lot of points for Wisconsin. Um, oh, yeah, no one's really good in college football other than Alabama. I think that's my takeaway from that's this weekend. Like, that was the conversation we had on air was, who do you believe in beyond Alabama? And for me, 
Georgia is the only Georgia's answer to that good. question right now. Do you know, oh, I, uh, they haven't played a ton yet, but Iowa has been pretty impressive against the competition they've played so okay. far. But again, again okay. I, I do, when you put them up against Alabama, do I think they're playing? No. Um, Fine. Yeah, Georgia's probably the only – like Ohio State, C.J. Stroud just doesn't look Stinks. good. Uh, that's, Stinks, I yes. think, is the word you're looking for? Stinks is the way I, I – I don't know what's wrong with Clemson's offense. We saw D.J. last year, and he was very good in some spots. Maybe it's the offensive line. Maybe it's some some young talent around him. But like that offense just put up fourteen points against Georgia Tech at home. I, yeah. I don't know what's going on there. So maybe that's a down year. Um, I, I don't know. I really don't know who's good outside of Alabama I think, and I think, Georgia. Florida we, we, we good, often, but that was at we, home. We often um, gloss over the Pac-12. I think Oregon's really Oregon good this good. year. Now they always tend to slip up here or there. I think that they could be really, really strong, especially if they get Thibodeau back uh, in the short term here. I'm not sure when he's expected back, but I mean, you're talking about a potential number one overall pick on the defensive side of the ball there. Um, but the thing the, that's we had this conversation. Though, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say the thing that with Oregon now, though, is you, you talk about how sometimes they slip up later on in the year. I think what they've done early on and what's happened around them they've afforded themselves a slip up and still, if they go out and win the pack 12, yeah, yeah. they're probably in the playoff. I mean, if they, yeah, the, they, it looks like the, looks like the ACC is going to be the odd man out this year around. Uh, yeah. I mean, when, Clemson, when Clemson and Ohio state have both, both dropped after wins. I mean, that, that you almost and never see. To be honest with you, with the way things are panning out right now, it looks like, let, let's say Notre Dame stays perfect. We assume that they get past Wisconsin here. They get past Cincy and then they kind of coast through things. Even if they're not, the most impressive wins an undefeated Notre Dame team is in the college football playoff. Yeah. Um, so you're talking about Notre Dame, Alabama. I think Georgia makes it in because they play Alabama close in the SEC title game. Winner um, of Georgia, Florida has a pretty decent chance. So you got your three teams there, and then Oregon being the fourth ACC's your odd man out. Big Twelve gets left out as well as mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Oklahoma, um, another team. Not it's going to be. It's going to be another uh, whirlwind finish, and obviously a lot more is going to come into focus here over the next few weeks and in the coming months. But I just think that uh, I just think that it boils down this year to Georgia and Alabama. I think the way it plays out is Georgia Alabama SEC title game. Georgia pulls the upset, goes in as the one seed. Alabama goes in as the four seed. They meet again in the national title game. Alabama wins the national title game. You heard it here first. So pretty much exactly what happened in. No, no. Georgia had LSU in the in the SEC championship game the last time that happened, right? Correct. Yeah, they blew them out. I could yeah. see it. I, I, if I, if we get two Georgia Florida game or Georgia Alabama games at the end of the year, and Georgia keeps looking this good, I, I'm all for it. I'm also now really excited after seeing Florida play Alabama pretty tough at home. Pretty excited for that Georgia Florida matchup. I don't remember what week that's in, but that should be a fun one to watch. Florida yeah, looks like they have some some talent. Emory Jones looks like he's a he's a playmaker quarterback. So I'm excited to see those guys too. These guys do it all. This Moose and Nerds podcast—they do it. They—they they absolutely cover it all. There's, there's everything the sun touches. You know, uh, it's 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 difficult, but it's a gift. It's just a gift. Next level stuff here, Matt. You got anything else for the people before we say goodbye? Oh, check out if you search Mark Andre Fleury on Twitter. Check out his pads. They're sick. Old school. Are they like kind of gold? Like, they, little, like, like almost uh, like a like a brown leather throwback, kind of like to the old days. I think it's a little bit of a Tony Esposito kind of tribute because he passed uh, was a few weeks ago. So I, like I think that. I think it's a little bit of a tribute with some Hawks colors in there. Take a look; they are 
they are they are chef's kiss good. So we even got hockey. We got Matt's hockey. You didn't know. You didn't know you. You didn't know you were getting a Mark. You a Mark Andre Fleury's minute. You didn't know you were getting a Matt's hockey minute here on. I didn't know. Do it all. I didn't know we were getting a Matt's hockey minute until about thirty seconds. Just impressive stuff, Matt. You go enjoy the Ryder Cup. You have a blast. You bring us some big points here on Friday, or you don't come home. You hear me? Deal. That's going to do it for the Moose and Noons podcast, episode 222, the Rick Ross edition of the pod. As always, hit us up on Twitter, at Moose and Runes. Send us your mailbag questions. What are your burning questions across the NFL and beyond? But for now, he is Matt. I am Joe. We'll talk to you next week. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal. <laughs>